Hello, I'm Jacqueline Hellier and this is the Tantric Lounge where we talk sex, science and spirituality. Welcome to my fourth show. And for those of you who are here, you're definitely questers on the search for full human empowerment. And I guess you realise that you'll never be reaching your full potential if you ignore the sexual side of things. So there aren't too many people in the world who have my breadth and depth of knowledge and experience around both the science and the spirituality of sex, and you need to have both. So join us, welcome again to yet another hour where we're going to look and how you can go further on the journey to your full sexual empowerment. And joining me as ever is my good friend, creative collaborator, and now officially co-host, Xavier Watercane. Hello, world. I must say that that introductory music always puts me in the mood for radio. <laughs> so what's the latest on Planet Jacqueline, the, singing, the thinking person's sex coach? Uh, I had a look at your newsletter. There's oh, lots yes. on. Yes, there's an awful lot on, and I'm glad you looked at my newsletter. If any of the listeners would like to subscribe to the monthly Tantric Lounge newsletter, you can go to my website and subscribe on the homepage. So that's at uh, www.jacquelinehellier.com or thetantriclounge.com. Oh, well, I just got a pleasant surprise as I was logging in just a few minutes ago to find out that I've been nominated one of the top 10 sex bloggers in the world. Podcast in it too is called, no surprise, The Tantric Lounge. And you are actually starting The Tantric Lounge live. Yes, yes, I'm so excited about this. Down the track it will be a webinar as well. So this is a monthly get-together in a few hours where we can do some tantric practice and have some interesting discussions around the whole concept of conscious sexuality, spiritual sexuality. Currently held in Sydney it's once in a Sydney. month. It's in Sydney, yes. Worth Sydney, flying Australia. to, worth, worth an worth international. Worth flying from all over the world. <laughs> well, no, but I'm also thinking of my wide-ranging audience and I've also um, just set up arrangements for an international retreat. Tantric land is going tropical. And next April, we're going to go to this tiny, tiny little tropical island in Indonesia, not far from Bali, called Gili Air. And we're going to spend five days in simplicity. The theme of that retreat is going to be simplicity because this island is really simple. You feel like you're on the end of the world. There's no motorized transport. It is chill out, extraordinaire. And a beautiful place just to strip away all the crap that we modern Western humans have and just kind of get down to what's left. And if people are lucky, they'll be stripping away more than just their baggage. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're going to find what's really inside. And it's, once you do that, you really find the beautiful stuff on the inside. Okay. And today's theme is mm. fire and water. Vive la différence. Vive la différence. Wait, wait. Because last week we were really looking at the differences between men and women. The similarities. The similarities between men, men and women and, and mm. working out that they're really not all that dissimilar. But today we no. are talking about a very essential difference that is real and true and we need to factor that in if we're going to reach our sexual potential. Absolutely. So go, yes. ahead. go ahead. Yes. So my point is, is that we're not from different planets. We are, in fact, the same species. Most, most, of our similar, most of ourselves are, we're very similar. We're more similar than we are different as male and female. And the differences that exist are good differences because they're complementary differences and we can work with them. So what does it mean that men are fire mm -hmm. and women are water, that men are yang mm. and that women are yin? 
What does all that mean? Unpack that for us. All right, all right. Well, let's have a little chat about yin and yang because I like to use the terms yin and yang more than masculine and feminine because unfortunately there's so much attached to the words masculine and feminine that people sometimes don't understand exactly what I'm trying to say. So let's talk about yin and yang. And many people are familiar with this concept that comes from um, Chinese traditions where you have two complementary opposites that make up a whole. Yang represents the the harder elements, the stronger, the darker, the forceful. But black, also, but also things that the stick out. Yes, indeed. Yes, um, those who are electricians would know about the masculine plug and the feminine plug. Yeah, yeah. one sticks, one, one protrudes. The, the protruding is yang and male, yes. and the yes. Yes. non-protruding is yes. female. And 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 yang is also about doing and leading and controlling and those sorts of things. Whereas yin is about. And the yin is the opposite. So the yin is about soft, receptive, nurturing, gentle, re- receptive, inward, all of those sorts and of things. And it's really important to understand that mm-hmm. in this Eastern philosophy of yang and yin, mm. that neither one is better than the other. No. It's just simply one's mountain, one's valley. Yes. Vive la différence. Yes, absolutely. They are complementary. In fact, you can't have one without the other. If you have one without the other... Then you get dysfunction. It's sort of mis- it's sort of meaningless, isn't it? It's like having light without darkness. Well, yes. There's no such thing as a dark switch. No, no. It'd be like having happiness without sadness. There'd be nothing. So, um, now the thing is, is that within a well-rounded person, you will have equal amounts of the yang and the yin within you, right? So an individual has equal amounts of the masculine and the feminine within themselves, and they're in balance. Ideally, yes. Right. So in the past, when we had this patriarchal system for so long and which completely suppressed the feminine and female sexuality and so forth, it wasn't balanced. We had this dysfunctional masculine that was all yang and hardly any yin. And it was the worst of the yang, the worst of the masculine. It was domineering, controlling, closed off. Right. And therefore, we had the worst of the yin or the feminine, um, which was, you know, kind of dependent and pathetic and powerless. So on the one hand, you would have the ultra warrior, mm. bang, 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 bang. I wouldn't even call it a warrior because I love the term warrior. Okay, well then what, what would we call it? I'd call him the ultimate asshole. Okay, okay, the ultimate asshole. Macho prick. Okay, the yeah. ultimate macho prick at one end. Mm. And then the other end, you have the oh-so-delicate little pathetic. maiden, pathetic, yes. oh, we get Wuss. the wrist, wussy, yes. wussy, yeah. Yes. Made wussy. Yes. So, you know, so naturally um, after some... Oh, centuries of this, millennia probably, well, women got a bit jack of being completely pathetic and said, hey, look, you know, we want to be like men, we want to be equal to men so we can be like men. So women proved that they could be masculine, right? This is what was happening with the um, feminine revolution and stuff. Which- but, but this is in a context, in a social context, where the masculine side is overvalued. Well, yes, definitely. And that's the point that I want to make, which is that, Women have proven they can be masculine, right? But if we talk about the feminine and masculine principle in society, the feminine is still very low. So women can still wear shoulder pads and run corporations. Mm. Yes, they can be masculine. But the point I want to make is that to be truly balanced, you can't deny one part of yourself and you have to take on board your yin and your yang, right? Now, in ideally in a man and a woman this will manifest in complementary opposite ways, okay? 
Let me explain. So for a man, it's to have the yang on the outside and the yin on the inside. Which means he's strong on the outside and soft on the inside. Yes. So he'll present to the world as, you know, purposeful and driven and strong and, you know, all that's really quite manly and nice. But that's not all he is. He can open up that strong exterior and expose his inner yin, his softness, his nurturance. And his vulnerability, it's really hard for guys to open up like that, you know, particularly if they've been brought up in the old dysfunctional patriarchal model where men never have showed their yin, they never showed their vulnerability. But the yeah. point of this idea of masculine yang, mm-hmm. balanced masculine yang, mm-hmm. is that you're, you front up as mm-hmm. strong. Yes. But open up a little and mm-hmm. we get that softness, yes. the, the nurturing, yes. the, the yielding, lover. the yes. lover. Yes. So when a man enters into a beautiful sexual encounter, he will open himself up to it, right? And their yins can merge. Anyway, but let me tell you about the feminine or the, the, the woman one side of things is the opposite to that. And for a woman, it's to the have... The compliment. It is the compliment. Yes, thank you. <laughs> for a woman, it's to have the yang on the inside and the yin on the outside. Right. right. So yin outside, soft. Soft outside. Soft outside, perfumed. inside. Silky touch. Yes. But on the inside? Very strong. Iron. Yes. And that's the difference to the old model where, where the feminine was weak. All there over. Was, there wasn't that inner yang, right? So unfortunately a lot of women in our society have almost had no choice but to be, put up what I call a false yang, right? And they put up this barrier around them to be tough, to be strong, to protect themselves. Sometimes that's because they work in very, you know, masculine corporate type environments. Other times it's because they've suffered, you know, awful abuse when they were younger. Okay, so it's a protective thing. But the trouble is when a woman is like that, and often these women look uber feminine in a way, they're often like dressed in super sexy clothes with really high heels and all this sort of thing, but it's all an an act, right? And it's very tiring to keep this up and it's brittle. But most importantly... Most importantly, if she's got this false yang on the outside, it prevents her softness from showing and it also prevents her true inner strength from showing, all right? So for a woman, and this is a lot of the work that I do with women, is to lower those barriers, to stop the false yang, to trust their inner core strength and to build their inner yang, and then that strength will then start to emanate out through softness, so all this cultural confusion mm. where you have an oversimplified idea of what it means to be male and masculine mm-hmm. as being all tough, mm. tough, tough, yes. an over, an oversimplified model of being female, mm. all weak, 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 mm. is just that, an oversimplification. Mm. Ideally, the men are strong on the outside, soft mm. on the inside, mm-hmm. the women are soft on the outside and mm. strong on the inside. Yes. This actually makes sense biologically as well. Oh, absolutely. And when you talk to men and women and, and ask them what they what is appealing in the opposite sex, and I am generalising here, but generally men love a woman's softness, right? And generally women like to look at a man and go, oh, yes, he's very manly. You know, it's like the knight of old. You know, he'd go off galloping on his charger and, you know, fight dragons and save damsels in distress, which was like, oh, so manly. But then he'd come back to his true love and he'd sing her songs and write her poetry and, you know, bring her flowers and she'd kind of go, oh, he loves me, right? It's beautiful. But the but people have tended to overcompensate for this. So the mm. women have become shoulder pad bitches and the men have become new age wimps. Well, a lot of men have done the opposite and put up this false yin on the outside, 
because a lot of men know that the the old patriarchal all yang masculine was wrong or was dysfunctional so they've done the opposite and they go right well therefore i need to be all yin and really soft and these are your guys who wear their hearts in their sleeves these are the guys who are always a woman's best friend and can never get laid um and when a man's got this false yin on the outside, well, it's just marshmallow. It's wuss. It doesn't actually turn a woman on. But there is an answer to this because yes. the options aren't just to be an adaptive doormat or macho shit where you're adapting to the mm. society's mm. ideas of what you ought mm. to be. Yes. And you don't have to overcompensate the other way by becoming a shoulder pad bitch and a new age wimp. No. You can actually find a middle path, a balanced yes. path. Yes, absolutely. And it's... I believe it's actually harder for women on the whole, which is why I have to often spend a lot more time for women because there aren't that many role models out there of what a beautiful, strong, yet soft woman is. We need more role models in society of powerful women who are also feminine, right? And when I say feminine, I mean having that lovely balance of the inner yang and the outer yin, Okay. <laughs> You talk in one of your blogs mm. about the bonsai and the pot. Yes. Before we go to break, can yeah. you just expand on that a little bit for us? Yes, yes, yes. It's a nice little analogy. Okay, so when a man and a woman are in these elements where they've got their, their yin and their yang um, balanced nicely, what happens in a relationship, and we'll get to the sex thing I suspect after the break, is that the man will open up that strong exterior and he will invite in his woman into his yin, into his soft interior, and he'll hold her safe there. This is energetically. Energetically. I'm talking energetically here. Um, Does not so, mean she's going to strap on a deal, though? And, no. No. Right. No, no. I mean, she could. She could. Yeah. <laughs> I was having a beautiful moment. Sorry. There, sorry. Let's try it. So I guess after the break we'll talk more about the actual sex act. But this is really clear. And to use that, um, you talked about the pot. It's almost like you can imagine that the, that the woman is the plant and the man is the pot, right? And it's really important that a woman is with a pot, i.e. a man, who is strong enough to hold her. Because if she's too strong for him, either she'll be bonsaied by a pot that's too small and... Restricted. Restricted. And stunted. And stunted. And I see so many women who are with men who aren't worthy of them, who are too small for them, and they're holding themselves back. Or the pot will crack, yeah? And it won't be a happy pot, right? <laughs> Fortunately, unlike pots, men, humans have the ability to grow. So a man can actually grow too. And if the man's vessel is large enough, the yes. woman can grow yes. into her full oh, flowering. yes. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to move into a break now, an yes. opening, a yin moment <laughs> in this program, and we'll, and we'll come back after the break. Welcome back to the Tantric Lounge with me, Jacqueline Hellier, and my co-host here, Xavier Watercane. Today we're talking about men and women and the differences this week, and we're celebrating those differences. We're saying vive la différence, aren't we, Xavier? And the big difference is that you say that men mm. are fire and women are water. Yes. What does that mean in terms of their sexuality and their sexual response? I mean, fire has this image of, well, suddenness, mm. of an activation of energy that's mm -hmm. more immediate. Water is more flowing. Yes. Yes, indeed. And this is one of the key differences. And it is uh, physiologically driven as well as um, energetically. And 
Look, I just want to preface it by saying and just reminding everyone of what we were talking about last week, that we have more similarities than differences. And I'm not saying that all women are this and all men are that. There's there's a huge variety. But if we're talking about fire and water, what this means is, is you can say that the male sexuality or male sexual energy is more like fire in the sense that it comes on quickly. It's like it switches on, burns brightly, and then when it's off, it's off. Right? It comes on quickly and quickly comes sometimes. Uh, <laughs> that can be the problem with a fire energy, yes. Nice little witticism there, Xavier. So, so, and that makes sense because men's sexuality in many ways is driven by testosterone, right? A man, when a man has an urge for sex or something triggers sex, bang, he gets his flood of testosterone and it doesn't happen take much for the arousal to happen. So if we're talking about the desire side of sex as opposed to the response side of sex, men tend to have a bit more oomph in the desire side, okay? Now, let's look at the women. And that that oomph can be a pilot light to a raging inferno. Well, absolutely it can. And, And as I've said before, at least half the couples I see, the man's got the lower desire. Right, so sometimes there's some trouble getting the switch turned on. So it's more a pilot light than a raging fire. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Um, and then we sort of have to look at, you know, what's what's driving the fact that they can't switch on like that. But generally, when we've solved the switching on thing, it doesn't take much, right? So, and I'm not talking about erectile dysfunction and stuff. I'm just talking about the urge. Now, if we look at women, you can think of female sexuality as being more like water right? It's slower to heat up. But the good news is that once it's heated, once that water energy is boiling, it will boil and boil and boil and boil and boil and it can keep on boiling. Because this is sex, science and spirituality. We should make a point that water has a lot of what we call latent heat. Yes. Once you cook it up, it Mm -hmm. keeps the heat longer. It does indeed. A a match may burn you, Mm -hmm. but the heat dissipates very quickly, whereas water, boiling Mm -hmm. water, will just keep boiling, boiling, boiling. And that's what female sexuality is like, right? So if we consider the response side of sex as opposed to the desire, well, women cream it all over men, okay? Female sexuality. So to speak. (laughs) Yes, thank you. It's maybe slightly tasteless little witticism in there. But the thing is, is that, yes, men tend to have more oomph in the desire side. Women have more oomph in the response side. Unfortunately, our society is really focused on the desire side and there's this huge thing about, you know, women and their lack of libido and everyone's going, oh, my God, where's my libido? I'm sure I put it down here somewhere. Have you seen my libido somewhere? As though it's some kind of thing, right? So when you understand that a woman's libido is not like a man's libido, we do not have the testosterone, all right? And the difference between women with high libido and low libido, it actually has nothing to do with the amount of testosterone that they have. It's more about how warm their water is, Yes, yes. So the secret for a woman to have a high level of desire for sex is for her to keep her water simmering, so to speak, Right. In as many possible ways as you can. Yes. So it's really the, I wouldn't say burden, onus, well, whatever, the responsibility of a mm-hmm. couple who want to augment their sexual life yes. is to find ways, mm-hmm. understanding that the man is fire and understanding mm-hmm. that the woman is water, yes. finding ways to keep that water simmering yes. so that when the man comes on with his fire, mm-hmm. he, the woman 
is more disposed to go to a rolling boil yes. because she's already pre-simmered. She is beautifully described there, Xavier. And I find that people really get that because too often women think they should be ready before they really are. And the reason why so many women are having poor quality sexual experiences and if they're having a poor quality sexual experience, damn sure their partner's having a poor quality sexual experience, is because they're trying to have sex too soon. In other words, they're tepid. They're not even yes. on a simmer. Yes. Or um, they might even be cold. Frozen. Frozen. I've Fred, met, that's I've why met they, tundra. It is, it's no coincidence <laughs> yes. that a woman, when she has no interest in sex at all, is called frigid. Yes. Yes. Because so we, we know this intuitively. We do know this. That yes. men are fire and women are water. Yes. And so there's often a thaw that needs to take place Mm -hmm. before even we get to tepid, Mm. before we even get to simmer. Mm. And boil is just way off on the horizon. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I talk so often to to women and their partners and they're like, oh, what's wrong with me? I don't like sex. I'm not enjoying sex or whatever. And when I listen to what they're doing, I'm like, I'm not surprised. You're not dysfunctional. You're bored. Or you're exhausted. Well, and you're cold, you know, you have to do things. And these days, you know, modern lives and everyone's so busy and, you know, you go for it all day long, you come home, you cook dinner, you look after the kids, get them to bed, you collapse in front of the television, you fall into bed exhausted at 11 o'clock at night and hubby's like, how about it, love? And sexual energy. (laughs) He's like, no. And sexual energy is in a a separate category to some extent to other aspects of life because Mm -hmm. you might be exhausted in other areas. Mm -hmm. But then your attention has been in other areas, not on keeping that water simmering. Yes. <clears throat> the water simmering. Yes. Um, and we'll be going into that in other, other shows. So please stay tuned because it's actually not that hard to keep the water simmering. Right? We have some questions oh, now oh, yes, on, yes. This, on this subject. Yes. Um, Philippa from Missoula in Montana asks. Hello, Philippa. My husband's pilot light is pretty well turned off. When it turns on, it's such a low flame, it wouldn't make a cup of coffee, much less heat my water. We've been together 22 years. Is there any hope? I sometimes think of ending it with my husband. He's not a bad man. He's always been good and faithful, but he's also boring. What can I do? Yes. So common. This is such a common um, client type that I see. Talk to him about this fire and water concept. Okay, and if you've used a pseudonym here, you can actually play in this <laughs> this segment and go, oh, darling, that's so much like us. I, I really find that when couples understand the fire and water, when they understand that it doesn't just happen, right, then they can actually look at, well, what do we need to do? Chances are your poor husband, I mean, this is assuming that he used to have a bit of a raging fire. If he's never had a raging fire, it might be a little bit more complex. But I generally find that if a couple have had like good sex and were desirous and responsive, at least earlier on in the relationship, that can be rekindled. And the fact that you, Philippa, um, have the desire and the urge, I'd be really encouraging you in a very gentle, seductive, loving way to encourage him to become more interested, to initiate some conversation around it. It's like, sweetheart, you know, we don't seem to be having a lot of lovemaking lately and I really miss it and it's so beautiful and we're in bed together and we can just, you know, touch and make love. I'm a little bit concerned about this because... um, I feel as a man I have to mm. speak for men here. Yes, please. It do. sounds a little bit like the onus is on men mm-hmm. to heat that water. Oh, good heavens, no. 
Okay. No, no, no. So can we clarify that a yes. little bit? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely because some men not. might be getting that impression. Yes. I mean, certainly. Uh, mm. No, no, the onus is on both of you. There's things that a woman can do for herself, right, things that make her feel good and relaxed and happy and sexy, feeling womanly and, yeah, okay, I wouldn't mind a little bit of loving. There's things that a husband or partner can do to help her feel like that as well. And then there's activities that they can do together. Because we further to that, we have a question from Stephen from Pittsburgh in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Hi, Stephen. I've been trying to heat my wife's water for years and I have given up. She's a good woman and a wonderful mother, but I wonder if even a blast furnace would help her thaw at this point. I started seeing a sex thoroughgate. A surrogate more for the intimacy than the actual sexual release my wife doesn't know i feel tolerable about this but i don't know what else to do any advice yeah that's a tricky one Stephen. and uh, i can assure you that you're not alone in that there are a lot of um men well and women as we heard from philippa who feel lonely in their in their marriage in their relationship because they're not having that sexual intimacy with their partner um it's possible that you two would benefit from some couples counseling but do go and see someone who does specialize in sexuality Uh, unfortunately a lot of couples counselors aren't actually very uh, comfortable talking about sex which is a shame because it's so important um what do they talk about oh communication and things like that yeah. Similarly, there's sex therapists that don't talk about relationship, which I find equally insane. So do find someone who is happy talking about both. Um, but just for the same kind of advice that I gave Philippa, um, you need to actually start a dialogue with your lovely wife. And, but do it gently and don't talk about sex, 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 because chances are she's got some issues around, around sex and what it means. It might be that in the past, look, even with good intention, maybe the kind of approach you had, the kind of lovemaking you had didn't really work for her. Um, so you want to take a, a gentler approach and keep listening to this program because there are going to be a lots more advice over the coming weeks and months about a, an approach that works in the long term for couples. And that's... That's where the tantric side comes in. I don't mean to read into Stephen's yeah. question any more than he probably asked, but mm. I'm, just this question occurs to me. Mm. Is it possible that a lot of men are projecting what they think would turn them on sexually and they're trying it on their wives and they're surprised that it doesn't work because mm. they think that their wives are fire? Yes, it's quite likely. It's very so he's, try- so he's trying things that, you know, if she did this to me, it would turn me on. Yes. But it's not doing anything for her mm-hmm. because women need to have their water boiled. The slow build. The slow build. Yes. Yes. So, so men- as a woman, can mm. you tell me what works for you? For me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the key things that work for a woman are being in a lovely environment, right? So make sure your bedroom is a boudoir, as is mine. I have a tantric boudoir. <laughs> I don't just have a tantric lounge, I have a tantric boudoir. She can't be too tired, right, because tiredness just kills a woman's libido. She needs to be feeling about her, good about herself. So if she's got issues around the way she looks as she's getting older, or, then that's not going to help either. But generally lots of lovely positive things, and you have to start thinking way beyond the bedroom. So it's all about, I call it before play, and we'll be talking a lot about this too. It's one of my most common themes. <coughs> where you're talking, looking at the way the two of you interact outside the bedroom in the rest of life so that you're slowly keeping that water simmering so by the time you do get to the bedroom, assuming it's a nice environment, she's not too tired, she's 
starting to simmer a little. I guess this explains why so many. Yes, yeah, I guess this explains why so many men feel impatient because mm. their firelight can light up very, very quickly, mm. and they wonder why it doesn't happen the same way for a woman. Mm. But what you're saying is because women's sexuality is very watery, mm-hmm. the slow build is the important thing. You need to actually keep mm. the fires burning, keep yes. the home, keep the home <laughs> fires burning, burning so yeah. that that simmer is a is a a more long-term project. Yes. And one thing that I want to stress, because, again, um, you know, sometimes the guys go, oh, God, that's so much work. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually, it's about having a quality relationship and doing lovely things for each other, and I mean for each other, all the time so that she does stay at that simmer. More like having a glass of water in the sun, which mm -hmm. is heating up all the time, Mm. rather than having to take a blowtorch to a pan full of water Mm. because you've been ignoring that water for so long that it's gone tepid. Yeah, if you you get into the bedroom late at night and and she's exhausted, it's going to be an awful lot of work and probably pretty well impossible to get her really interested. It's got to start earlier. Okay, mm. so that means then that a per, that given that you're in for the long haul on this, mm. a little bit every day mm. is going to seem like a lot less work yeah. than a lot in a short amount of time. Yes, and it would be and it would be much more if useful if both partners in this. Mm. partnership mm. thought about okay yes. let's build this up and i'm going to be releasing my next ebook series very shortly in fact as soon as you finished editing it xavier so people let's all pressure xavier into finishing editing my next series of ebooks so that we can release it for everybody's benefit and this is the couple series and there's three ebooks in it which are all my collated writings on this topic one is about bonding which is about getting on well together. One's called Before Play, which is exactly what we're talking about now. It's about the way the two of you relate so that her water's kept simmering and also for guys, you know, so that your your switch is ready to be flicked, right? And then the third one is called Bonking, which is actually about the, uh, the sexual act itself. So Bonding Before Play and Bonking will be coming out shortly as soon as Xavier's edited them. I think it's time for a break. <laughs> Now that we've now we're in the non-intellectual mm-hmm. part, the we've done all the thinking, we've done all the talking. It's yes. time to do something practical. We're going to feel. We're going to feel. Yes. So you have another exercise for us. Yes, we're to help get into our bodies now. Oh, okay, right. Okay, I'll check yeah. in. <laughs> yes. All right. So as we always do in the last part of the show, I'm going to give you a practical activity that you can do, so that you can take some of this knowledge that we're giving you and really start incorporating it into your life. And I'll be the live guinea pig again. You're the live guinea pig. But also what we're doing here, because this is the Tantric Lounge and it's still very early on in our series, I'm giving you the the basics, the fundamentals that will enable you to be able to have a more Tantric style of lovemaking. And when I say the Tantric style of lovemaking, I'm talking about lovemaking that is very connected and that's very mindful, present, deep, erotic, yummy, gorgeous, need I say more? So, so far, <clears throat> we've had a bit of a an experience of what it feels like to be present in our bodies. We've learned how to breathe down to our bellies so that we're using all of the muscles in our abdomen and being able to fill up our bodies more fully with air and oxygen. And if you've been practicing the breathing exercises, as I hope you have been, 
you by now you'll be finding that you can breathe that you're breathing more slowly and that when you breathe you're bringing the breath deeper into your body and that you're slowing down and filling up in a way as you breathe and that's what's keeping you very present then last week we had a look at our pelvic floor muscles and learned how to squeeze them and how to work with our pelvic floor muscle so let's just uh, recap over some of that a little bit to get you in the nice zone so we'll start with some breathing first so I just want you to put your hands on your lower belly underneath your navel there and as you breathe in just want you to feel that the whole of your lower belly is filling up with air so it's expanding like a balloon and then from there it's rising up and filling up the whole of your diaphragm and then on the out breath collapsing your belly collapsing your diaphragm and allowing the air to flow out so he's breathing in and the breath is very flowing it's like a wave lapping at the shore and then you're breathing out okay so it's a lovely circular breath you're not holding or stopping at any point breathing in again just allowing it to fill up fill up and then allowing it to breathe out all right feeling calmer hopefully as you do that if you're not feeling calm it means you need to practice it some more okay because it's not the way we normally breathe now let's add to some of that if you can keep that kind of breath continuing then add a squeeze with your pelvic floor okay so as you breathe in I just want you to squeeze that pelvic floor muscle and if you can get a sense almost of drawing as though you're squeezing from the front to the back okay as I pointed out last week the pelvic floor goes from your pubic bone at the front to your tailbone at the back so you can just imagine that you're starting at the front right at the pubic bone there which for the ladies is under the clitoris for the guys you know under the front of the penis where it joins your body and then squeezing it back back to, towards the anus and right up to the pelvic bone so do a breathe in and just allow that feeling to go up the back now I want you to imagine for now that you're building up sexual energy so down here right down in the pelvis there is our first chakra okay it's the base um, energy energy center right and you can build up sexual energy there and also in the second chakra which is the one just below the navel so if you have a sense you can squeeze your pelvic floor a few times let's just give it some faster little squeezes for a little while Okay, if you can do some faster squeezes, good. And have a sense, you can even visualize that there's a fire down there. Right? Or maybe for you it feels more like static electricity or something. You know? But I want you to have some visualization that there's something building up there. It could even be a light that's getting brighter or something like that. Or maybe you've got little jagged bits of electricity or, or um, lightning or something like that. Okay. And it can just be very subtle. Don't worry. If you're new to this kind of work, everything is extremely subtle when you start. Okay. So, all right. So now I have this sense that down there in your pelvis, you've got this aliveness, you've got this energy. Okay. It's a really lovely positive energy. It doesn't have to feel like normal sexual excitation. Okay. I want to stress that. It's just this very strong awareness, this presence. Now, let's do that drawing of the of the pel of the pelvic floor as you breathe in and I want you to imagine that you're drawing that energy 
up your spine. Okay, so it's going to travel through your pelvic floor and up through your tailbone and just start going up your spine a little. Okay, so you're going to breathe, squeeze and draw that energy up your spine a little. Okay, so just practice that a few times over and over. Now we're just going to bring it up to the lower back initially, just with the in-breath. And as you breathe in, you might find that your spine straightens out a little as well. Okay, so if you're not feeling anything, that's okay. Just visualize it. Okay, but you might start finding over time that you feel something. You might feel a warmth. You might feel a tingle. You might feel just some kind of yumminess going up your spine. All right. So this is all we're going to practice for today. In your own time, do a series of the breaths and get into it this way, doing the breaths, building up that energy or the visualization of the energy by squeezing your pelvic floor several times. And then practice squeezing, drawing, breathing in and having a sensation of energy rising up your spine. You might get it up to the lower back, the middle of your back. You might get it up higher into your upper back. You might even be able to get it right up through the back of your neck, up to the top of your head. Next program, we're going to complete the cycle. So for now, just practice that sense of just getting the lift happening, getting that draw happening. Now, one word of caution. It's really important when you do this kind of practice, when you're raising the energy, that you finish with a grounding of the energy. So even if you don't feel like anything's happening, it's still really important that at the end of this exercise, so let's do it now as you put your hands back over your belly, over just below your navel, and you have a sense of any of the energy that you've, that you've drawn up into your body is sinking back down, back down into that second chakra, back down into the sexual center lower down in your body. And just finish with a few more breaths. Again, just slowly, just allowing the breath to flow in deep into your body and just gently to flow out. And that's the completion of that exercise. Okay? Gotcha. How are you feeling, Xavier? I noticed a tendency of my spine wanting to straighten while I was doing the exercise. Good. The other thing that obviously the visualization that people choose is very personal. Yes. My my favorite is that I imagine myself as a tall fluted champagne glass mm-hmm. and that when I'm ri- the energy is rising the bubbles are rising up. Ah, nice. Along the sides along the sides of the glass. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just that gentle flow mm. happening and it's all coming out through the top of my head. Oh, you got it to the top of your head. Well, that's mm. that's the visualization whether right. I'm going there or not yes. will depend on the session. Yes. I'm just describing what it is and mm. obviously what, at the end when it's important to ground again the mm. the, the champagne just goes flat. Mm-hmm. It becomes still, yes. calm, relaxed. Yes. That was interesting. Mm. And that exercise is very much at the basis of a lot of the tantric practices. Now, you can work at this at a number of different levels. So if you just want to have better quality sort of standard lovemaking, learning these sorts of things help you get into a really good space to connect with each other and from which to have, you know, some good sex. 
and that's great. If you want to go further on the journey into really quite amazing sexual experiences, if you're into like Olympic <laughs> sex, high-level sex, then you these exercises will enable you to really start doing some cool stuff with your sexual energy. You can even start, particularly women, can have orgasms just by doing these kind of exercises, for instance. A theme that we return to again and again on these programs mm. is that sex is not about bodies and parts mm -hmm. alone. It's no. not about what you do. It's yes. about what you establish energetically yeah. before you even get to the bedroom yes. or anywhere else. Yes. And what you start doing when the two of you, or more, if, you, if you've got a few friends over, do as you come together. It's about sinking into yourself, about sinking into your partner and getting you know, the parasympathetic nervous system happening so that from that something can grow out of it. And to get back to what we were saying, the, talking about at the beginning of the program with that whole yin and yang, particularly for the woman it's, and for the man as well. So he can hold the space so she can release into the space. And there, whoa, these amazing things can happen that actually are generally generated from the woman. And I'm talking energetically here. And she takes him on this energetic journey. That's when two people have extraordinarily good sex. I guess it can also help people, depending on what sense modality they most like. Yes. To use different approaches in even in the, doing this ex, this sort of work, mm. visual people might want to visualize colors blending, mm -hmm. light blending. Yeah. People who are more interested, more acoustically oriented, might think more about music and tone mm. and sounds blending harmonically. Mm. People who are more in their body will think more about feelings. I guess that there are people who are smell oriented that will think about perfumes blending mm. or taste oriented who will think about tastes blending. Whatever works for you, whatever sense modality Yes. works for you, yes. but at least you can embrace. And some people might be more literary-oriented and they might mm -hmm. think more of a, this is a story between two people. Yes. Whatever works, you don't have to limit yourself in how you're thinking about this sort of stuff. This is absolutely true. And that's why in my teaching of, of this type of approach to sexuality, I try just to give a fairly broad guidance and I really encourage people to start tapping into what works for them. Right? So I, this is not sort of guru-style Jacqueline who's telling you, you know, step one, step two, which can be a bit frustrating because a lot of modern people want a manual, they want to know the tips and tricks, and it's not about tips and tricks. They want a recipe. Yes. But it's not about recipe. What, what you're talking more about is acquiring a, t a sense of taste in the sense of mm. familiarise yourself with the various ingredients and play and with take it. time with them mm. playing with them yes and what we're doing here in the third part of all of these shows is just getting down to the state of being that you need to be in before you can start doing anything you need to be in a state of being and it's all about the being if you get the being right then the doing will flow a lot more easily okay but i've got people asking me in my head oh i'm just so psychic at the moment all these people are listening <laughs> to say uh how do I know when I've got my state of being? You just feel it. Just keep doing these practices and you won't, you can't help but get better at it. But it is absolutely important that you start putting into place some, well, I call, I call them spiritual practices or mindful practices where you do your breathing exercises, where you work, particularly the pelvic floor, if you want to do these kind of sexual, mindful sexual activities. 
have a meditation practice, have a yoga practice or go for your morning run, not listening to bang, bang, bang music, but sort of stuff that gets you in the zone. You have to learn how to get in the zone and you have to prioritize. You want to have amazing sex? It's like being really good at anything, whether it's being a good athlete, being a good cook, being a good painter, being a good entrepreneur. Learning another language. You've got to focus on it. You've got to do what it takes. You've got to prioritize, set aside the time. And it doesn't mean that you need to take much time every day. A little bit every day is better than a huge session once a month. Yes, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. But if a, one, a huge session once a month is all you have, that's what you do. But mm. generally speaking, mm. two minutes a day is better than one hour in a, in a month. Good heavens, yes. yes. And what do we have for next week? Next week, I thought we might go right back to the beginning of humanity. I'd like to look at why humans are so sexual. Why are we so sexy? Why are we so sexy? We are pretty much the most sexual species on the planet. Aside from the bonobo. Well, along with the bonobos, perhaps. The bonobos have sex just to say hello. We're not quite there. Well, socially we're not. But in our heads, often well, we are. I don't know. This is what we're going to be talking about to some extent. I want to look at, there's a few different theories of sexual evolution, and I have my personal favourite, of course, and hey, since this is my show, I'm going to be promoting that one. Um, but it is really interesting to understand why humans are so sexual. And in fact, like the bonobos, for humans, sex is in fact a, a social function, more so than it is a reproductive function. And of course, if you want the ebooks that accompany this series, they're yes. available at thetantriclounge.com or jacquelinehellier.com. Yes, the first series, the Sex Stuff series, is available, and the second series, the couple series, will be available as soon as you, Xavier, have finished editing it. Point taken. And there's nothing stopping people from reading the ebooks before the programs because that also helps them to maybe understand the program content. Yes. Along with the book. Yeah, and there's a couple of other of my books that are also available as ebooks on my website, which are relevant to some of the stuff we've talked about today. One's called Sex Secrets for Busy People, and the other is um, The Sex Life Survival Guide for Parents. All right, so we're looking forward for next week Sexual Evolution Why Humans Are So Sexy. Indeed. 